Welcome to another episode of the Supercharge Your Membership Show. And today I have Claire Cahill with us. And we are going to have a conversation and uh, basically dive into a story, a business story, and hopefully that inspires you. So welcome to the show, Claire. Thank you. Really pleased to be here, Natalie. So would you uh, mind sharing a bit about, I mean, who you are, uh, you are in the UK, but like what it is that you do and uh, who you do it for and and why you do this. And then we will um, just uh, start a conversation. Yeah, excellent. So as you rightly said, I am based in the UK, in Chesterfield in Derbyshire, which is in the middle of the country. And I am your no-nonsense coach. So your listeners might be thinking, well, what on earth does Claire mean by a no-nonsense coach? So there's plenty of coaches out there and we're all different. And I'm an executive leadership and confidence coach but I'm not a coach that will put my arms around you and say oh yeah we just have to wave a magic wand and everything will be okay I like to innovate um, and encourage people to take action and implement those ideas so my sweet spot is those middle managers or those busy stressed out leaders who find themselves stuck in the hamster wheel and don't take time to get out of the hamster wheel to think strategically about what is it that they truly want to do what is it that their heart desires and how can they actually make that a reality so that's who I love working with and allowing them that time to step out of the hamster wheel to explore in that safe psychological space what their hopes, dreams and aspirations are and how they can be the best leader um, that they want to be. Awesome. So how did you like, um, how how did this all get started? I mean, were you like in the corporate business and then did you switch to coaching? I'd love to hear uh, the story behind. Yes. So I left school at 16. Um, going to the college and the college lecturer saying, Claire, you've got no study left in you. Just go and get yourself a job. The best advice that anybody has ever given me because I would have been a complete nightmare in somebody's classroom because I was tired of studying. So I went and worked for Nationwide Building Society and I had a 29-year corporate career with them. And I set myself a goal that I wanted to be a branch manager and have my own team of people that I could lead. So by the time I was 24, I'd achieved that goal and I was actually leading the team of people that had taught me all that I knew. So it was a real surreal experience. So I spent half of my career in branches, working with people face to face. And then the second half of my career, I worked in contact center world. And that was a completely different experience because Nobody wakes up in the morning thinking, I'm going to ring my financial organization for a chat. They phone because they've got a problem. So my role was to support those consultants who was taking those calls to think about how do you change this customer's psychological state? And it was during my time in contact center world that I had my two children who are now 16 and nearly 13 and it was after the birth of my second son that I had my own crash of confidence I returned to work after six months because financially I needed to but emotionally I wasn't ready and Mm -hmm. I'd returned to a female boss who just thought I could pick up where I left off 
and didn't understand why I couldn't just pick up where I'd left off. I'd only been out of the business for six months. And after 12 weeks of trying to fake it till I made it and putting the mask on, putting the makeup on, putting the dress on, appearing confident, I just crashed and burned and took 12 weeks off work with work-related stress to try and find who I was again. And what I mean by that is, is who's Claire Cahill? Not Claire Cahill, the wife, the mother, the sister, the daughter, the leader, but who is Claire Cahill and what is the purpose of her being in this world and what value can she add? And that's when I went on my own coaching experience and within... 48 hours, my husband said, I don't know what's happened, but I've got my wife back. You're glowing, you're sparkling, you're, you know, you've, you're moving forward with action that you want to take. And that's then when I realized, actually, I want to be a coach because I want to be able to do what those coaches helped me with and go on that journey of transformation. Amazing. So, all right. So so we know how this idea, you know, came about. Um, so how 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 did you go about it? Like, so you made the decision, then what did you do to make it happen? Because I mean, you're out of the corporate world, you don't you're not online, you're I mean, you know, with this thing, it's brand new. So what was your first step? Like, what did you do? What did you realize you had to do? So I used coaching as the first step to get me back into that corporate role and um, functioning again as a as a leader. And I signed up then to become a life coach. I never like to call myself a life coach because it all seems a bit fluffy, but a personal development coach. Okay. Um, and at the same time, because I'm a, an all in kind of girl I thought right I'll sign up and I'll do two diplomas not one so I got my um, personal performance coaching diploma which got me qualified as a coach and then I did my corporate and executive diploma as well and I did all of that whilst I was doing a full-time job looking after my children when I got home from work and finding clients that I could coach so once I'd become a qualified coach and then a qualified in sorry a qualified coach in 2012 and then a qualified corporate coach in 2013 I then decided I'll set up my coaching business and I'll run that alongside my employed corporate role and build my client base up to make that strategic step and it then got to the stage that I'd then won international coach of the year corporate coach of the year um, I'd launched and published my own book. I'd got a really supportive manager who was creating opportunities for me that four years ago, I then got the opportunity to take a six weeks paid loyalty sabbatical, which I then took with open arms because that gave me the opportunity to just solely focus on my business and think strategically about how am I going to sack the boss? So at the end of those six weeks, I wrote my resignation, I sacked the boss, my husband went white and I said, yes, the money's not going to come in consistently every single month, but I now have a plan as to how I can build and grow my business. And COVID hit. Suddenly I thought, 
if I don't take my business online, I'm not going to have a business. And the whole purpose of sacking the boss was so that I could have a successful coaching business. So then suddenly I took my business online and there were no barriers because it doesn't matter where my clients are Mm -hmm. in the world. I didn't have to just, you know, speak to people in my local vicinity because I didn't have to consider traveling anymore. So for me, and this could be quite a bit controversial, but COVID was the best thing since sliced bread because it forced me to do something that I wouldn't have potentially considered doing in putting my business online yeah so I mean it's uh, so there are a couple of things I want to go back to because that's really important we'll go back to the COVID thing because it's it's it it is a reality it did that for us as well so uh, we can share more about that but I think what's really important and that we need to mention here is that you kept your corporate job working alongside your corporate job being a mom a wife and launching a business now not everybody is equipped to do that. Not everybody has the support at home to even do that, okay? Yeah. So in terms of like, do you need to quit your job or do you keep your job and work alongside? It really totally depends if you can, you know? Uh, keeping a job, if, if you can do both and it brings you the financial stability where you don't have to worry, why not? You know, there are even entrepreneurs that take a job while they are building the business because it's not going that fast and they need more time to figure out what they want to do. And that's okay. It's not a failure. It's just being smart about making sure that you have the right energy and you're operating at the right frequency and you're not stressed out about things. So what you did, I would say, is not completely typical because, you know, running both and it sounds like it was not like a really stressful moment to you. I mean, it sounds like you're probably super organized. Let's put it this way and focus and you know exactly what you want. And that's when it works, but it's not everybody. So that's the first thing I wanted to mention is that it's okay to keep your job and actually it can be very good to keep your job so you have that financial stability but every you only have so many hours in a day so every time that you spend a bit in the business counts so you have to be laser focused right and really have a plan like you said I think that's really important so let's talk about COVID because uh, and it's okay to say that because as entrepreneurs we are problem solvers And things work in business until they don't work so much. You know, all products and services have a life, you know, a lifespan. You know, there is growth, then there is plateau, and then it kind of like slow downs. Where you have to reinvent yourself, you have to change things, pivot, you know, however you want to call it. But when something like COVID COVID hits, it changes the parameters, right? It changes uh, things that were a priority suddenly are not. But it also opens doors, right? Because it introduces new problems, new struggles. And with that come new potential solutions we can create. So things like that, that we don't have control over, it's like, what, I won't say what is great about COVID, but like, what are the opportunities behind that to level up, right? And I, and again, and I think what made me, smile during COVID was when I worked in corporate world and I was trying to make that leap to just being self-employed I'd asked frequently well can I reduce my hours that I work so I worked four days a week and then had a day that that I, I focused on my business and then I said right can I do three days 
so I can focus two days on business and the answer was no and then it was like well actually can I work from home one day a week no because if we do that for you we're going to have to do it for everybody else and then lo and behold we now operate in a hybrid world. So whilst a lot of people have gone back to the office and have maybe struggled in going back to the office, a hybrid way of working is now completely acceptable. And so you're right, COVID brought challenges, but it brought opportunities. And suddenly, you know, being online, you could still see people face to face. Yes, there wasn't that same energy and connectivity that there is when you're in a room with somebody, but you can still have those rich, open, honest conversations because you still create that safe psychological space. And I think that's what the opportunities were. It enabled leaders to think about, right, how do I still have that connectivity with my team how do I still have those coffee chats or water cooler chats and during COVID I was obviously homeschooling my children that was a whole different skill set because I'd got two children one in secondary school one in primary school one that just got up in the morning cracked on with what he needed to do knowing that if he'd finished by lunchtime he'd got the rest of the day to himself so I learned so much from the way that my children behaved and recognized that everybody's different and that's okay and everybody will have different strengths different weaknesses different skill sets my youngest on the other hand consistently questioned the world that we were living in and consistently questioned how is what I'm doing at school relevant to what is happening in the environment right here right now so it was a completely different experience but we had some really rich conversations which then empowered me to have open honest conversations with school that said what about if these children aren't actually behind by being at home? What happens if they're developing different skills, different behaviours, they're developing that natural curiosity that they don't or, or haven't been able to up to now in the education system? And then I was also living with my ideal client because my husband was a busy, stressed out leader in the hamster wheel that had furloughed all of his team. But what was so beautiful to see was he put the well-being of his team at the heart of everything that he did. So he did have those weekly check-ins just purely from a well-being perspective because his team were furloughed. He couldn't have conversations about work, but he never missed a Friday call where he was just checking in with them. The fact that he was completely stressed out while his team were enjoying the sunshine, enjoying whatever they they were doing at home, he was able to have those conversations about. But in reality, how do you feel about not being at work? And and again, that's what his team took away from that, that my husband as a leader was probably one of the minority that regularly checked in, but he now does that. So that's now a skill that he's developed, which he wouldn't have necessarily developed had he not been in that situation. Exactly. Love this. I love that you share this. You know, it's really about like opportunities and and looking at what, what is, yeah, what are the opportunities there, you know, and how can I 
how can I continue to serve? You know, how can I continue to help the people that I want to help? So, okay. So you, so you went into coaching. So you, so you starting, you know, getting uh, one-on-one coaching clients, then COVID hit and you had to go online. So that opened a whole new market to you. Um, Then how does this evolve? Like, did you start to do like group coaching? Like what, how, how did the whole scaling basically happened. So I I still had my one-to-one clients. I picked Mm -hmm. up my first international client because like I'd said earlier, you know, there was no barriers in place to where people were. Um, So that was great because by picking up an international client, I learned how leadership in different countries, different Mm -hmm. cultures. So it was a win-win relationship because while she was learning from me, I was learning from her. But it also gave me the opportunity to um, get all of my programs CPD accredited. um, And I became a coach of excellence, which meant that whether I was doing one-to-one or group coaching programs, I could then give out CPD certificates and so therefore I was in a unique position that other coaches in my area in my you know network were not do making their programs CPD accredited but to enable me to go through that CPD accreditation I had to start coaching one-to-many mm, yeah. so my program so I collaborated with other coaches I still had my coach so while many businesses were saying right, the first thing that goes is marketing and the training budget. I kept that in my business because I knew how valuable it was to have that trusted confidant who I could share, you know, these are the things that keeps me awake at three o'clock in the morning. These are the challenges that I'm facing. How do I overcome that? And so I, I beta tested my group programs which then gave me the evidence that I needed to get my program CPD accredited. And then now I still offer a mix of if people are happy to come into a group program, they can come into a group program, but I have no more than six people on that group program. And I specifically do that because I still want them to make that investment in themselves. So that financial investment, but also that investment in time, And by having a smaller group means that everybody gets the opportunity to have a voice. Everybody gets the opportunity to share their learning rather than when it's on what I class as mass, as in hundreds in the room. Then a lot of the time you might just be there listening and nobody might be checking what's the learning that you're taking in. So that was my strategy. So I haven't done low-end group programs and that's not to say that low-end group programs have their place I've gone in what I would like to think is that medium level of you make this investment you work with me for six months in that group setting the advantage of being in a group setting is is that you get other people's feedback other people's perspective other people asking you the questions as well as me asking you the questions as the coach Mm -hmm. but then people who would prefer to work with me on a one-to-one basis can do so and then that's this price range for working with me on a one-to-one yeah I love this. I think it's really important that we make that distinction uh, about when you go one to one, one to many, is that you you can do like smaller groups, like you said, six people, where you still get individualized attention. I mean, you know people's name, you know people's 
job, business, you know, whatever that is, like, you know them, right? You know their struggles versus going into a group program where you have 100 people. And I can tell you that unless you are in every single call and always raising your hand and things like that, some people will never know your name. So it's a different price point. It also requires, I think, more resilience and... um, commitment but like commitment to yourself to show up when you're in a bigger group because you could say you know what I'm tired I'll just catch the replay so when you say I'll just catch the replay it means two things one it means I'm not going to get specific help for me because I'm not even going to raise my hand and ask a question and two it also says this call is probably not going to help me move forward. It's just something I will listen to when I have time. And we know how that goes. People never do because we want to go back to listening to a two-hour replay, right? So when people do calls and people need to realize that it's because they want you to show up for your business. It's it's part of the learning and the growing is, is to say, I'm tired of doing it anyway. I could go out and with friends, I'm coming to the call anyway. Right. Um, I could, you know, work on something else. No, this is a commitment that I made. And that's how we grow as well. Right. In business and in life and things like that. It's that commitment. And it's so much harder when you are in a group, big group, because when you are six, I mean, I I facilitate groups or they are between. Six and eight and. I have everything, everything like excused, showed up didn't show yeah and after a couple of no show I can tell you that they are being notified like hey you didn't show up in the last two calls you know everything okay and things like that so you can do this when you have these smaller groups and it's more more commitment and like you said it's also a higher investment because that's where the transformation starts it's with that exchange of money that energy you know that exchange of energy where that's one commitment, right? That's where the transformation starts. So I love that you said that. And again, I think in my book, I always talk about change starts with the man or the woman in the mirror. So I looked at myself and I thought, right, where have I engaged the most? Where have I had the biggest transformation? And yes, when I qualified as a coach, there were hundreds of us, um, but I still made that commitment of I'm going to build a relationship with a small group of people who are in it together because I need to be held accountable. So I use people within that group. And so I suppose my advice to anybody that is in a big group of 100, still connect with a small group of people in that group that can hold you accountable. And this is This is why I call myself the no nonsense coach and why people work with me, because they know I will hold them accountable. So by being in that small group, if I've got six people and, you know, I expect an apology if they can't make it. Um, I expect them to catch up if they can't make the session, because I will still ask them the next time we meet. So this was what we did last time. How have you taken that learning and applied it? day to day so share some examples with me of what the transformation has been and I know that I'll not be everybody's coach because they'll not want that challenge they'll not want that accountability but where people work with me that is what they tell me 
the reason why they're working with me because we know that you won't take excuses as a valid reason we know that I will appropriately challenge and I'll still do that in a supportive way because if I'm taking somebody's hard-earned money as an investment then I have a duty of care to them to make sure that they make the most of that investment because I've had people where I've made an investment, there's then been no accountability. And I've thought, well, that was a complete and utter waste of money. I've only myself to blame, nobody else, because I didn't show up and do the work. I didn't listen to the replays. But actually, this is how I felt as that person that had made the investment, hadn't held myself accountable, hadn't asked anybody else to hold me accountable. And therefore, how does that sit with my values and who I am and the ethics of my business? Um, And that's why I do what I do. Some people may think, well, actually, that's not my approach and that wouldn't work for me. And I quite have a replay and that's okay. Um, But I agree with you. It's about if you can't show up to that group session for whatever reason, Make sure you've got time in your diary to listen to the replay because as my coach, yeah, so as, as my coach says to me, unless it's in your diary, Claire, it's not going to happen, is it? And I'm like, exactly. If it's not in the calendar, right it doesn't exist. And even if it's in the calendar, I mean, it's a that calendar as a non-negotiable. Like, yeah. don't do something else. I mean, right now I'm in a program. Um, the calls are anywhere between 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. or midnight to 3 a.m. And I am in every single one of them because there are hundreds. So I am in a, a program and then I am in the VIP as well. So the VIP is smaller groups, so no problem. You know, there are like probably six of us showing up, something like that. Right. And, and but then the big the bigger one is like hundreds of people. And like, if I don't make the commitment, I know I will not watch the replay, but this is an opportunity for me to show up actually, right? And that shows the commitment, right? And then like you said, it's not about just showing up and 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 listening because we're really only learning if we are applying, like you yes. said. So I love you said you ask them every time. So, so to the people that are wondering, how do I scale one to many and still keep the connection going? the 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 results also coming in um it's it's going to be by the rules that you set and that could be smaller groups so you could say okay six people it's still not super scalable right you can run multiple six groups and i have you know quite a few clients that have done that they have other coaches that facilitate actually i am a business coach for a group of women for another coach because she's got hundreds of people and if you want to keep the group small you have to start you know getting uh, other people that align with your values and your vision and can support people in these calls sure they still get called with her right but like the the parts like the accountability ones they can also be delegated at some point you know if, if you if that's something you feel like doing Absolutely. And that's something that I talk about with my coach. So again, no matter where you are at the stage in your business, once you plateau, it's about, right, so what's the next step to grow again? And so, you know, I frequently talk to my clients who are small business owners. So let's start with the end in mind. 
what do you want your business to look like in 10 years time in five years time in the next 12 months so what and let's dream big and let's have no limitations as to what you can do so I've said all along I want my business to be at a stage where I can't deliver it all myself because yes. then I've got to bring associate coaches in. But that's where I never see another coach as competition. I see them as this is an opportunity to collaborate. And, you know, when I worked with one of my coaches, she said, you always need to have a mini you. So if for whatever reason you can't deliver your program, you can you know, bring somebody else in as an associate coach. But there's also advantages of having people that are, are your complete opposite. So I've worked Different with... Different types. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've worked with coaches that are exactly the same as me, have my energy, have my no-nonsense approach, have my, I'm keeping you accountable and I'm not taking excuses. And then I have coaches who are more reserved, more um, process orientated, more critical thinkers. And actually, they have value to add to that group. So I also like the idea of having a team of different people, because then you can play to what does that group need? Does that group need Tigger in a room? In which case, me or my mini me could go in there (laughs) or do they need somebody who can do that critical thinking that analysis that attention to detail that maybe doesn't come naturally to me and is something that I have to work hard at well actually I know coaches who tick that box and therefore I'd have no hesitation in, in bringing them in yeah I love this it's it's really an opportunity to um, even like if they, I mean, they follow your program, right? Obviously, you know, they are coaches, you know, um, they would be coaches for, for your practice, but um, they can have their own angles. I know some people like I'm very tactical, strategic, you know, like, what is your goal? What have you done? Like, you know, I'm a, I am come from a tech background. So I'm like, you know, yeah. like, what, what are the facts? Like, uh, and then there are some people that are more along mindset, you know, how are you doing as a person? So, and then there are people that are all about, um, manifestation and abundance and like you know they are into that so it's it's nice to have this mix because as you said you know we actually we need a bit of uh, you know a bit of all of these things right and um and by having different personalities um and different ways of also of of um you know facilitating these groups i i think it gives more value even to the program because you get these other perspectives, you know, and it's these other ways of supporting people than just the one person. And and it's it that's interesting because one of the first um tools I use with my clients is I do their disc personality profiling and that's so I can get to know my clients in minutes rather than months and I can adapt my communication to theirs and what was really interesting was I took this to my coaching supervision was why am I attracting my complete opposites why am I why am I getting the the more reserved analytical people to work with and I'm not getting you know the outgoing um dominant demanding um people and my coaching supervisor said that's a very good question Claire have you asked your clients and I was like 
oh, that was a bit of a slap in the face moment. No, no, because that's really simple. I'll just complicate it and I'll bring it to supervision. And so I was really brave and I asked my clients, you know, we're complete opposites. And I'm just curious to learn what made you choose me as your coach? And every single one of them, without exception, said, because you're my missing ingredient yes and what your skills are and what your strengths are I need to develop and then that light bulb moment came on for me because actually my clients were my missing ingredient because what I learned from them was their logical approach to goal setting their analytical approach to goal setting yes they might slow the process down because they might want to dot the i's and cross all of the t's So I did have a a client who was a project manager uh, with a tech background. Um, But, you know, she she gave me so much because it's like, gosh, if ever I want an action plan doing and doing right, you are going to be the person that I'm going to come to because you won't leave a stone unturned. And that sort of took me back to my corporate days that my boss had two senior managers, me and one other. And we were complete opposites. So she had the perfect team. She yes. could give the task of writing the action plan, doing doing it all colour-coded with the rag status. <clears throat> that bit just did not float my boat. Just tell me what I need to do and how I need to do it and who I need to do it with, and I'll just go off and do it. So I would then implement the action plan with the passion, the energy, the enthusiasm, make sure that, you know, <clears throat> everything got done. So she had her winning combination with me and, you know, my counterpart. And and again, for me, that was what I took away from corporate world is, is that you need different people in your teams to bring that diversity, those different perspectives, those different skill sets to then be inclusive. And that's what I love about my programs. I just say it's open to all the only thing that I say is is you have to make that commitment to take action because I don't have Harry Potter's magic wand that I can just wave and ta-da just like that yeah you be where you want to be absolutely love this I think that it's great that we make the distinction so uh between we want to attract people that have the same values as we do but they don't have to have the same personality or same style. In fact, when they come to us, we are solving a problem always, right? We are problem solvers. So they don't have to be wired like you. Absolutely not. They are coming to you because they have a lack. They need to learn something. So it kind of makes sense that when you think about it, that you would attract these people. Uh, You could also attract people that are like you because you're like a magnet. Oh, she's the person I want to be in five, 10 years, right? Or whatever. So you could say, yeah, I'm going to work with her because she's going to get me, right? But like when you are like opposite and you're like, oh, this is where I want to be, but I'm so far, then you are attracted also to work with these people so that they can teach you how to operate more like this, right? Because you know it's uh, something you're lacking. Yeah, and it's interesting because one of the pieces of feedback from um, one of the, the clients who was part of the group program was when I asked her for feedback of, okay, so what? why did you make the decision to just make the commitment? You know, what, what was it that you actually wanted to achieve? And she said, 
for her, it wasn't necessarily a lack of confidence, a lack of progress. She just needed to be supercharged. And I really liked that because, again, it doesn't matter where you are in your journey, whether we're the same, whether we're different, whether we've got different backgrounds. My role is to supercharge your leadership skills and your ability to, you know, and I, I talk about, you know, my business is called Ascendo Coaching and Training. Ascendo is the Latin for ignite. And that's what I do. I ignite my client's potential. Or as my or as this delegate said, you supercharged my potential because I had so many light bulb moments. And as a result, you know, by her taking the action that she took, she'd achieved her year's goal, financial goals within six months because she was then supercharged. Yeah. Um, and, and she was able to apply different models, different theories, have a different mindset. So you're right, it doesn't matter what people come to coaching for, they will leave with whatever is right for them. Yeah. Absolutely. Love this. So um, I'd love to talk about your book and a bit about marketing and how you are attracting people. What is the name of the book? So the name of the book, if you can show it. Yeah, I can. For the people watching the video, <laughs> we'll put a link otherwise in the description for the podcast. So yeah. So this is my book, Empowering Employee Engagement, How to Ignite Your Team for Peak Performance. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And this, this was what I wrote in Corporate World, where my boss gave me an opportunity to take a team of disengaged employees, put them all in one team and take them on a journey of self-discovery. So over 12 weeks, I took them on a journey of self-discovery. Um, there were things that I did with all of them. There were then things that I did with them individually, dependent upon what it was. And then in the back of the book, I've shared their journeys and stories. I've changed their names to protect their confidentiality. Mm -hmm. um, but each of them, without exception, was reignited back into the business. And while some of them then did decide to leave the business, it was because they were very clear about what they were destined to do and what, what it was that they wanted to yes. do with their career mm -hmm. and with their lives, not just leaving because they'd been managed out through yes. going to the program. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So it, it's kind of like a business fable almost, like a, a real business story with I love this kind of book. So awesome. So how how is this book, is this book playing any part in your marketing right now when you are going after, you know, finding clients for your book program? I, I, I'd love to hear a bit about what is your marketing strategy here to yeah. this program? So, so I work with a VA. So I have my own VA and I have my own social media um, manager and they've both read my book. And what my social media manager has done is taken my book made it into blogs for me, made it into social media posts. So because I know that my clients predominantly hang out on LinkedIn, that's where a lot of my social media posts are done. So every week there will be something that that asks a question or shares information that will then send them to my blog or my book to learn more. What my VA does is she will frequently do my Tuesday testimonials for me. So that might be 
sharing stories from clients. It might be sending people to buy my book. Um, and she also does my newsletters for me as well. So again, she'll share in my newsletters. Look, if you want to learn more about Claire, about what it's like to work with her, you could buy the book as a starting point. And then, you know, you can read a blog, you can download the the resources that she's got, and then you could go into a program with her if that's what you want to do. Amazing. So so that's basically your whole marketing strategy on filling out your program, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then I will have, mm-hmm. so, so by, and again, this is about building a team around you. So by having a VA and a social media manager means that I don't necessarily need to do any of that thinking because I know what they're doing, what they're posting for me, which enables me to then think, right, who's engaging in my posts? Who do I need to have further conversations with? You know, how can I reach out to my past clients and find out where they currently are? What is it that they still need? How can I go to networking meetings, make new connections, have those all important one-to-ones afterwards that start to build those relationships? So that then frees my time up to have the conversations as my previous coach would say, those cash generating conversations, but they're also in your support and nurture sequence Mm -hmm. because when people aren't always ready to buy at that moment in time for whatever reason, but it's equally important that I can then still say, right, well, actually, this is something that might be of, of benefit to you. Here you go, have a read of it or, you know, watch a YouTube video um, because I think you have to have those different platforms that people can then engage with you with. Absolutely. And it takes several, we know it takes several times for people to see you and hear you and, and they might say yes, for but later, right? I'm not quite ready. And sometimes it's true and sometimes it's just fear, right? And nothing will happen. But it's nice to have that visibility, you know, different places and have a mix of education and then sharing stories and then behind the scenes and and sharing content that also showcases your values, right, your message. So one thing that is really important and um, because, you know, I've, I've, I've worked with a lot of people is that when people hear this, sometimes people are like, wow, but what do I need to post? You know, like, uh, how do I do this? And usually this happens when you lack focus and clarity on your message. When you've nailed your message and you know what people, and and I can say, you know, I'm just going to be completely honest. I'm working on that myself, my message and, and, and all of this. So it's not like a, you know, I have it together, but I know this is like, it's the clarity and having, you know, a clear message on who you want to help, what is your solution. And when you have that, then creating content for social media. Actually, you have the book and your repurpose. For me, I have my podcast with 115 episodes right now, right? And they are all about memberships. So they are all on that, right? But it's really like, so if you're struggling and you're wondering, but how do I create all of that content? Maybe you need to specialize a bit more or get really clear on what what do you want people to see online? What do you want people to see online? Uh, Because they say people need to see you sell, 
but they also need to see who you are, what your message is, right? It's a whole mix of building your authority, your likability, um, showing them what is possible, you know, showing them your values, you know, who you work with, who you don't want to work with, you know, that's what attracts and repels you know, people. So, but clarity and focus is what gets you. And I can tell that you, you know, exactly. I mean, you're doing one thing, you're not doing a hundred things. So, um, but that's the key. So if you're struggling with that, that's probably your lack of clarity. Yeah. And again, I've worked with coaches all around that visibility, all around gaining that clarity, getting that message out there. And, you know, and when I think about, have I, got it right probably not because there's always room for improvement but it's about I've now got the headspace to look at it with that critical eye and I will do my own spontaneous posts yeah uh, because again this is about and you're right my coach says is the real Claire showing up because that's who people will buy um you know that they buy into you your personality your credibility the content, the information, um, but but at the same time, and this is what a, a previous coach said, you don't want to be that party popper that's just exploding everything on social yeah. media. And that's why, you know, I was very clear that LinkedIn is my platform of choice. Yeah. That's where my ideal client is out. Yeah, that's obviously. where I'm going to invest my time. Does it mean that I don't post on Facebook. Well, I still post on Facebook, but probably not as frequent. I do no posting on Twitter, but yet Twitter was the first social media platform that I engaged with when I first became a coach. Do I, am I on Instagram? Yes, I am on Instagram, but that's not where I hang out. I only went on Instagram because that's where my kids hang out. And so it was just more about, <laughs> let's just check that they're safe. But, you know, TikTok is like the next best thing. But have I done anything on TikTok? No, because I'm not sure my ideal clients hang out on TikTok. And exactly. certainly if you listen to my husband, his view on TikTok is so, uh, it's just yeah. all ridiculous. My kids think it's hilarious, some of the things that are on TikTok, and I'll watch TikTok with my kids. So, again, it's about having clarity of where do my ideal clients hang out? Because that's where I need to invest my time and hang out. Yeah. And, and I think that more than hanging out, but it's, it's also what is their mental status when they hang out? Because they could be hanging out on TikTok and think it's fun and like or stuff like that. But are they on TikTok to actually learn and to or to be entertained? Because engagement doesn't mean much. You know, you can have, um, you know, low engagement and still, you know, um, the engagement that you have or people don't engage, but they reach out to you directly, you know. So it's uh, engagement, you know, I've got tons of followers. Well, if you're entertaining, sure. But is, is this actually translating into people booking calls or working with you? You know, that's a different story. So that's why LinkedIn is great for that because usually people go to LinkedIn for business. So yeah. they are business centered, right? And, and Facebook, to some extent, some people do as well. It kind of like depends where you post, you know, um, on things and, and what kind of, um, of things you post. But uh, it's really also about that. It's not just engagement for the sake of engagement, you know, and, and that's why I'm not on TikTok. I don't want to add another platform I don't know anything about. Yeah. And again, I think it's about, you know, thinking about those demographics of, of your clients. So again, 
you know, I think we're operating in a world where there's probably five generations in the workplace from you might still have some baby boomers that are still, you know, hanging on there that aren't ready to retire yet. We're working with Gen Z, which is my children who do take in information in different ways. But, you know, I know that my ideal clients are probably men, women, 45 plus who have you know, reached a plateau in the career, they still want to break through that glass ceiling and they've they've got another 10, 15 years before they retire. So again, those people, if they do hang out on TikTok, will probably be for just light relief to a busy, stressful day and actually yes. just entertaining. This is just, I don't need to think. Yes. Where my children do take in the information and the learning from TikTok to the point where we have to challenge, is that fact, fiction? Where's the evidence coming from? And if it's right, then great, we'll take that. But it enables us as parents to have those rich conversations about where else could you research your information? Um you know, and, and again, that's like if they get something off Wikipedia, well, actually, anybody can put anything on Wikipedia. Is the source yes. of that information correct? And therefore, what are the counter arguments? Because just, you know, and, and people might say this about my book, just because Claire said that in her book and just because she's talked about these models and and they, they've worked for her and that team. What's the alternative to that? And I would encourage everybody to look at the alternative and, and to think of the the advantages, disadvantages, contradictions, but really to look at themselves and think, but what serves me? Yeah. And how absolutely. can I then use that? Um, yeah, absolutely. In growth. Mm -hmm. Love this. Awesome. So where can people find out more about you, Claire? Like, do you have a website? Yeah. So I've got a website, which is www.ascendocoaching.co.uk. I'll send you all of my links yes. so that you can That'd share them um, with mm -hmm. your listeners. And then you will find me on LinkedIn, which is Claire Cahill. Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story and hopefully inspiring um, coaches out there um, who want to um, take the lead to group and are wondering, I know I the people that I talk to, they tend that's tend that tends to be one of the things that trips them is like, how can I still provide results and and how can I still uh, keep the relationship and the connection going? So well, Claire is doing it. So I think you can too. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show, Claire. Thank you for inviting me. I've loved speaking to you today. Thank you.